0: Official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today.
1: Thank you.
2: Offensive and indecent
0: material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm gonna suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now, the one, the only Adam. Sank!
2: Welcome
3: to the Adam Sank Show. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode.
0: If you're listening it's 11 a.m. Eastern, I'm Yoda. Today is Saturday, February 13th, 2021. I don't know if that was Yoda or Grover.
3: I was trying to figure out what... I was like, this is either Sesame Street or... (laughs) Where are we? I mean,
0: it's all Frank Oz, so Uh, same person. Uh, DNRstudios.com is the only place you can hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen to anywhere else, please, please... Leave us your ratings and reviews on whichever audio platform you use to listen. Email me anything at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Adam Sank Show. Facebook page, download the comedy albums, get your ass merch, t-shirts, tank tops, even a daily pill organizer. The link to all that is adamsank.com. And remember, you can call the ass anytime, even when we're not on the air. Leave us a voicemail. The number for that is 804-TALK-ASS. That's 804-825-5277. By the way... Next week is my 50th birthday. So in celebration, we're not going to have... Thank you. Belated applause. We're not going to have any guests next week, but we would love to take your calls if you want to call in and wish me happy B-Day. So you can do that live or you can just leave me a uh, a message on the old uh, voicemail, 804-TALK-ASS, anytime before February 20th, which is when next week's show is leave me a voicemail. Or call in live. Our guest today is someone I am a huge fan of. I'm so excited he's doing the show. It is Broadway, film, and television actor Brian Bat, who mm-hmm. those of us who are Broadway queens have known who he is for many years and have seen him on Broadway many times. But America probably knows him best as uh, the character of Sal Romano on um, Mad Men. Mm-hmm. He played the tortured gay. Graphic artist turned video director Sal, and really gave an incredible performance, a very sensitive report, uh, performance for years on that show. So we'll be talking to Brian Bat a little later. But first, I need to welcome everyone's favorite Prince of Pigs, Ryan Frosting. Hello, Ryan.
3: Hello, Kirby.
0: Are you doing, Miss Piggy?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Miss Piggy's higher
0: though. It's up here. I'm I've got to pretty... use your falsetto. I'm in my falsetto, bitch. I don't know what you're talking about. You sound kind of like Miss Piggy from India.
3: <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Listen, I'm, impressions is not my gig, so that's that's as close Surely as I can get.
0: But uh, you have other talents. But here I am. Here you are, and uh, here JB is as well. Welcome, JB. Hi, Adam. I love when you hit the applause for yourself. <laughs> you I mean, deserve that's it. That's it. It's uh, in the rundown. No, I definitely call for it. You deserve <laughs> all the applause. All of it, honey. Um, I mentioned Mad Men. That's a show that I first watched years after everyone else had. Yeah. I, I tend to wait around after things. Uh, Same. Yeah. I, I like to, to wait a few years and see if everyone's still talking about them. And then I give them a try. Mad Men, I've watched the entire series more than once. It is one of my favorite shows. What's a show during this pandemic time mm-hmm. that you uh, that everyone else saw a long time ago, but that you just watched for the first time from beginning to end recently?
3: So um, I am very close to finishing the office,, oh. which I had seen episodes of and uh, in the past when it was on on the air, and I, I thought it was funny, but um, we decided to start from the beginning and watch it, and while it is there are some laugh out loud moments, some of the writing is just so good and and, um, and as an ensemble, the cast is just like, you know there's, there's no better comedic. Uh, cast of of characters it does get a little bit grating after a while yeah and um the you know how people like gays especially used to hate on deborah messing during the original uh will and grace series and said that she she was a bad actress and she
0: i don't remember that on the original i remember it now no 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 no. reboot in the
3: original there were people that said that she was the worst one and i we you and i both thought that she was fantastic that is how I feel about Jenna Fisher. Hmm. She's, she plays Pam. Yeah. I don't think she's a great actress. I don't think she's very funny. But the, the, the Jim and Pam storyline is is sort of like the most interesting
0: for a while, and then it becomes not so interesting. I think that... I think she's good because she seems like a real person. She doesn't seem like an actor. She seems like an actual office secretary. It it works for
3: a while, but then it gets a little bit played out.
0: Speaking of Will and Grace, I am rewatching the entire original series before Mm. I go to sleep every night. I fall asleep to it. And I have many observations, um, including the fact that there was a time in season two when Deborah Messing is so painfully thin... Yes, like terrifyingly thin. Mm-hmm. That it, it's amazing that I didn't notice it at the time, um, but also we've talked about this off the air, Ryan. Season six is such garbage. Mm-hmm. It's like they f- completely forgot how to be funny, and they brought in John Cleese and had the whole ep- the whole thing with her and him and Karen going to Vegas and getting. It just got terrible.
3: See, I think I think six is is. I think seven is where it starts to get a little bit unbearable.
0: Six is unbearable for me. Uh, to me, last X's to Brooklyn, which is the best episode they ever had. It's all downhill after that. Mm-hmm. JB, what have you been binge watching that everyone else watched years ago?
4: Um, okay, so like I've I've been like really a smart kid, so I like I, secrets. I like smart shows, but I never sat and watched Criminal Minds or like NCIS. Stuff. Mm. But I'm sitting there watching. I was like. This is some white people fuckery. Right Here's why: <laughs> in NCIS, every time they have a person of color on the show, they kill them off, mm. or or like a, a f- or a female character. So it's like that eh, that sucks.
0: They don't have any show regulars who are black. No, like, that's crazy. You know,
4: yeah, and then in Criminal Minds, you have Shamir Moore. The I consider I him to be the token black guy mm-hmm. in this show, and you can tell because all his the the I, okay, I don't want to say this, but they haven't played nigger roles. Like, if a black person was the police, they just have him being the muscle, and it's just like
0: that's interesting. I don't watch procedurals, but I just assumed that in that nowadays, anytime in the last twenty years, that they would have you know people of color as regular cast members yeah, like, who are uh, not Law
4: and Order uh, SVO. right? Like. I loved I loved I see it SVU. That's why that's why I got that's why I said, hmm, I did like SVU. Maybe I'll give these shows a try. But then I'm only watching it just so I can finish it. <laughs>
0: but <laughs> right. I'm so conscious now when I go back and watch old shows when there's absolutely no people of color. Like Will yeah. and Grace has no people of color. Zero. Rosario is played by a white actress, mm-hmm. Shelley Morrison. Yes, she's a Sephardic Jew, but that does not qualify you <laughs> to be a person of color. Um, and the only time they ever had a person of color would be, like, a guest star, like yeah, Tay Diggs. Taye Diggs, that's what um, I can think of. And nowadays, that would never happen. You would never have an all-white sitcom. And I think it happened, you know, because of racism, also because they only had white writers right. for these shows. And white writers didn't know how to write for people of color, so they just didn't. You know, nowadays, you have people of color in the writing room yeah. producing, directing, and it, it does make a difference. But so many movies and, and TV – I mean most movies and TV shows up until 10, 15 years ago were yeah. were all white.
4: That was the issue with the Cleveland show. That's why I didn't do – uh, if you guys know Seth MacFarlane, he does Family Guy, yes. American Dad. The issue with the Cleveland show, it was a white show that was supposed to portray black people, but it was written by white people.
0: And, and you can tell. By,
4: yeah, and you can tell. And we – as a black community, we we denounced that show immediately. Uh Because you
0: you can feel when it's inauthentic. Yeah. And even I can feel when it's inauthentic, and I'm not even a person of color. Yeah. You just sort of know. This doesn't feel real.
4: It's not a real situation that we would be a part of it. This is is a situation that you heard from from your racist cousin who wasn't in the situation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Creative consultant, your racist cousin. Uh, All right. Well, thank you to both of you. I have a really uh, depressing story to start with this week, but it's important... Ay, ay, ay. New research shows that one in every five Americans has a sexually transmitted disease.
1: it's
3: <laughs> a
0: great way to start the show. Uh, this is according to uh, figures coming from 2018. That's the most recent year that they studied. Um, many people in that group are not necessarily infectious. For example, those of us with HIV who are on meds and undetectable... Uh, you can fuck us. Mm-hmm. We're not going to infect you. you but us. we have an STD. Yeah. Uh, it also includes people who have herpes, mm. which let's be honest, Everybody's most good. of HPV. us have herpes. That's uh, yes. Of
4: herpes.
0: No HPV is actually an anal wart. Uh, that's that's warts. Herpes is a different. Herpes is a is a virus.
4: Okay, not not the actual show of but everyone has a piece of HPV, but doesn't have the symptoms of it.
0: Unless you got vaccinated against yeah. HPV, yeah. But that's different than herpes. Yeah. But yes, like her, like HPV, herpes uh, typically lays dormant most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've never talked about this on the air. Yes. I don't have um, any kind of genital herpes. Thank goodness, but miraculously, every few years like Mm -hmm. i would say once every three or four years when i'm stressed out Mm -hmm. i get a little outbreak on my chin oh yeah and i i take the valtrex and i put the the ointment on it and it goes away yeah but that's the only uh that's the only herp that i get i thank god i don't get i don't get the cold sores on the mouth i get the ingrown
4: hair that turns to blisters but i think that's not herpes uh, yeah but i think it is i was like oh my god i got herpes no girls ingrown hair
0: uh Nearly 68 million people had STIs in 2018, Uh, and uh, of that number, 26 million of them acquired them in 2018, and half of the new infections were in people aged 15 to 24. Uh, Other infections included chlamydia, gonorrhea, trichomoniasis, syphilis, genital herpes, human papillomavirus, HPV, uh, sexually transmitted HEP-B, and HIV. But by far the most commonly reported infection was HPV, as as JB said, which causes genital and anal warts. I have had those. Mm. Um, I've also been uh, vaccinated against those after the fact, which you can be. It's a little bit controversial, Mm. but there's a lot of research that shows that even if you've had an outbreak of HPV, if you get the vaccine, it's a series of three shots, you might never get it again. So I got it. Listen, when I think back to 2018... I mean, <laughs> my
3: STIs had their own STIs. <laughs> that, was a, that was a huge year. Yeah, herpes had herpes. <laughs> oh, girl.
4: Also, because uh, I, I feel like when I got, when I got first diagnosed uh, as HIV positive, it was like, hey, you need all these vaccines. All of them, uh, It's true. Yeah, they, they do load you up with a lot of vaccines, yo.
0: Yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, The study uh, demonstrates the importance of getting regular screenings for STDs. The CDC recommends that sexually active gay and bi men have a checkup at least once a year. I would say more than that. Yeah. Um, Or three to six months if they have multiple partners. There you go. It also advises gay men to get vaccinated for hep A and B. I have been. And if they're under 26, against HPV. I say still get vaccinated for HPV. My doctor believes in it, and so do I. Uh, In a related story, perhaps. Oh, God. (laughs) San Francisco has welcomed back gay bathhouses. No. Uh,
3: uh, Really? We actually
0: did this story a year ago. Right as the pandemic was was setting in, um, I did a story that they were considering this motion, and they actually did it. The uh, city council is now allowing um, bathhouses to apply for permits within the San Francisco city. Limits, And this is the first time since the mid-1980s. As we told you a year ago, bathhouses in San Francisco were outlawed uh, during the AIDS pandemic um, for obvious reasons. But uh, health officials are now saying um, th- th- this is really an uh, outdated uh, law. They have allowed bathhouses to operate in Berkeley, like Steamworks, mm-hmm. and in San Jose. Um a councilman who represents the Castro spearheaded rescinding the outdated sex venue rules last year. Health officials last week informed his office that they had updated. So it was actually not a city council; it was the San Francisco Board of Health that actually made this decision. They granted an extension of the January 1st deadline, so uh, because some employees were on vacation or out for the holidays. Um, obviously, this is not a great time to open a bathhouse, but they're they're looking for the future. They're looking for a time when sure. COVID is no longer an issue. The bathhouses are going to all have uh, hot and cold running water and soap and lube and education on site about how to avoid STDs. And, um, yeah, so that's what's happening in San Francisco. I think,
3: you know, obviously, the the, the headline, hearing the headline now feels like, oh, they're welcoming them back. Like, this is not the time to, to be going to a bathhouse. However, in... In the future um, it would be nice to think about sort of reinventing uh, rethinking what a bathhouse can be and, yes
0: we talked about this and
3: yeah I remember I was talking about this uh, a year ago but like it 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 can be more than just a place to go and have anonymous sex right and um, and it I, should be fun yeah, and I think that there's a way to also like Create enough space where it feels like you're not just in this kind of, like, small, seedy, like, hole in the wall. You, you can feel like, you know, you're at, like a, like a spa. Like, it feels more, you know, relaxing and enjoyable. Let's get some entertainment
0: in there. Yes. Let's get a buffet.
3: Yes, honey.
0: A dance floor. I agree. A library. I, I think, you know, we've so segregated sex... As a as a culture, gay men, it's mm-hmm. like we have we have our sex lives, and then we have everything else, and right. they're completely separate. and And part of having, I think, a healthy attitude towards sex is to integrate it into the rest of your your life, into your friendships, into your relationships, into your recreation. Um, I personally have always enjoyed <laughs> back in the days when I would go clubbing, when there was like a room in the club where stuff was happening. Yeah. But it wasn't the only thing happening at the club. You could dance, you could hang out with your friends, sure. you could talk, and then you go in the back room and get your dick do on. your
4: thing, and then you go back out. What's wrong nice with color. that? I mean, every every time I think of bathhouses, I think of the two there's two train thoughts. There's the the, the the sex the sexual bathhouses, but then I watch anime, the Japanese version of bathhouse, where they would just go have the public bath, and they, it would just be a bath. I don't with, really with, understand that with, with, with other guys and just. <laughs> It, it's more of a bonding thing. I, I think. No, I, we have
0: those here. We have yeah. Spa Castle.
4: Yeah. Have you I, ever I, been there? I, no. I, again, my only reference is Japanese anime where they're yeah. humbly taking bath and sex.
0: Spa uh, Castle, there's, there's a location in Queens that's huge and it's run by um, Koreans. They have actually a Korean restaurant at the very top, which is delicious. And it is just multiple steam rooms, saunas, pools. It's not a sex place, it's predominantly straight guys that you see. Um, a lot of Korean guys, a lot of Russian guys who live in that part of uh, queens and it 's kind of an odd experience but it's it 's nice i 've been there, yeah, that 's fun. Meanwhile, this is great news uh, and kind of surprising we we talk a lot about uh, how the LGBTq community does not do enough for people of color in terms of representation and in terms of dealing with issues of racism within the gay community. Well, for the first time in history, all three leading LGBTQ organizations will be under black leadership. That's amazing. We're talking about the National LGBTQ LGBTQ Task Force, the Human Rights Campaign, and the National Center for Lesbian Rights. They will each be led by black executive directors. Um, I'm trying to find their names. Kiera Johnson will be head of the National LGBTQ Task Force. Alfonso Davis will be head of HRC. And Imani Rupert Gordon will be head of National Center for Lesbian Rights.
3: we love to see it. Rupert
0: Gordon said, we have to remember that we've never been here before. We're creating solutions that we haven't seen before. In order to support black leaders, people need to remember that we are firsts, and it's harder to run an organization as a black person when that hasn't happened before. It seems like a reasonable... Oh, whoops, I'm back on the bathhouse story. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Just can't leave the bathhouse, Sorry, house,
0: two-sided printing. Um uh, Davis suggests that we have to think outside ourselves. We need to put ourselves outside, uh, put ourselves in the shoes of a black man in the South who has HIV but can't get the adequate treatment for it, or a transgender woman who, out of fear, can't return home. And as a result, they're both in incredible danger and more likely to be beaten and killed. We need to get to that place of liberation where we see marginalized people Above ourselves and recognize the plurality of our community. This is so important because these organizations have, by and large, been seen, rightly so, as as very representative of white queer people, yeah, and not all queer people. And um, and so this is a, a huge step in the right direction. I agree. Representation matters. It sure does. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kathy Griffin uh, had some fun with a Twitter troll recently. This. I'm trying to find her name. Charlie McTrollison. Danielle, Danielle McCarty, who goes by Muscle Mommy Fit and Fit Patriot Mom online, called out Kathy Griffin on January 9th for tweeting an image with a plastic severed head that looked like Donald Trump and the words, just resign now, you lost, it's over. Griffin was famously canceled in 2017 when she was in a picture with the fake severed head of Trump covered in ketchup. Uh, She was investigated by the FBI, put on the no-fly list, lost sponsorship deals, and uh, was denounced by Anderson Cooper and others. So just after the uh, January 6th Capitol riots, Griffin retweeted an image that this patriot mom – or she retweeted her severed head image. And this patriot mom bitch wrote back, the despicable Kathy Griffin is at it again. But Griffin then retweeted a screenshot of McCarty's tweet with the message, Oh, you shouldn't have tagged me. You were there on January 6th. You pulled your video, but I found it. Mm. Looks like you're a domestic terrorist, and now we all know it. Mm. Someone then sent Kathy Griffin an archived copy of a video McCarty posted to Parlour. In the video, McCarty is in front of the Capitol with a red Trump hat on, saying that she and others around her just got tear gassed. We got tear gas when we were in the middle of a prayer, McCarty says in the video. We weren't even trying to rush the cops. Hi, Danielle, Griffin said, sharing a screenshot of the video. What's that you called me again? Ah, yes, the despicable Kathy Griffin. Well, the FBI has your video now, as well as the other ones you're featured in. Griffin also retweeted image from McCarty's now private Instagram account where her bio states that she is a patriotic woman. One of the photos she posted shows her and her kids with military-grade rifles at Christmas time, with the caption, so many wonderful presents this year. Oh, Danielle, Kathy Griffin wrote in sharing the images.
3: I mean, this is just a chef's kiss moment. Mwah. We love, we love, love, love. Um, but yeah, the, the fucking
0: insurrectionists are all stupid. I just don't know, like you were saying last week, Like, why do you come for other people when there's video right. records of you breaking the law? Yeah. But these people are so fucking deluded. Yeah. I, I also just want to say that I have changed my opinion completely about Kathy Griffin holding the Trump-severed head. If, if listener, long-time listeners will recall that I was very angry at Kathy Griffin. Yeah. And uh, ADD Jeff and I fought about it for an hour. I still think it, it, it did nothing but get her more trouble than she ever needed or wanted or deserved. But um, uh, the consequences that she faced for that were so extreme in comparison to the consequences for people like this McCarty bitch who actually, you know, committed treason and broke the law. And I mean, I don't know what she did. I don't know if this woman broke into the Capitol or not, but she was certainly there. And that's certainly a lot worse than holding up a, 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 a fake head with ketchup on it. Meanwhile, a closeted TikTok star has finally revealed his identity. His name is Josh Leifer, and he's the man behind the uh, TikTok account Closeted Frat Guy. Mm. He uh, he had like 60,000 followers, and he was, you know, I guess he would disguise himself in these videos. And uh, his uh, identity was that he was a college athlete who was in a fraternity, who was closeted and afraid to come out, and he wanted to connect to other guys that were in similar situations. And um, he came out, and he was on a show called the Out Sports Podcast. Sorry, it's an Outsports Podcast called The Sports Kiki, uh, in which he said this.
3: How it went. Why did you decide to share that very intimate part of your journey?
2: Um, because it was the part that I was struggling with most. And I felt like I, being honest with myself would um, – I could be honest with myself by sharing it with the community that was supporting me. And if I knew that I could tell them what I was going through, it was kind of, like I keep saying, it was like a weight off my shoulders.
0: That wasn't the sound that I wanted, but that's okay. Um, He also told Outsports, I'm still Josh. I'm still in a fraternity. I still play sports. It took me a little bit to realize that even though I'm gay, I can still be everything I was before. That's what I'm trying to show people. I know that other guys are going through the same fears that I went through. They're scared of the same thing. And if I can show them that I have a successful story, then why can't they have one too? It's very sweet, and I'm glad that he did this. I applaud anyone who comes out. There's part of me that feels like this is a story that kind of belongs in 2005 Mm. or, like, 1995. Like, I don't know. Is it really that much of a struggle for a college athlete to come out these days?
3: Well, I was just thinking. I remember we did a story about some TikTok trend where it was, like, Mm. straight guys pretending to be gay. or Yeah, and,
0: like, acting gay and homoerotic and kissing their friends on camera.
3: I'm... I'm glad to hear that this is not sort of like an extension of that where this is a per- that uh, like th- this could very well have been a person not gay
0: just trying to get followers trying to
3: get followers by being this sort of like closeted frat guy and I'm happy that it that it sort of the story ends with him actually you know coming to terms with who he really is and
0: I mean, we still don't know 100% that he's gay. I, I'd like to see him suck a dick on camera, <laughs> frankly. Well, you might. To prove to me.
3: For, from TikTok to OnlyFans, who knows what's exactly, next for uh, exactly. a closeted
0: frat guy. Exactly. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I don't mean to, like, shade him in any way. <laughs> and I guess there are a lot of guys in his situation because apparently he, he heard from tons and tons of people. He said he yeah. got, like, hundreds of emails a day, probably from people just wanting to have sex with him. But, sure. But, like, from guys saying, like, I'm also closeted, I'm also in a fraternity, I'm also, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the important thing is the reaction since he's come out has been overwhelmingly supportive. I really think that um, in most parts of the country, at least, we've, we've gotten over the hump yeah. of, uh, you know, the fear of, of coming out and, and the repercussions. It certainly depends upon your situation. But it's a hell of a lot easier in 2021 than it was when I was coming up. Okay. I came out of the closet in 1992, and let me tell you something. It was considered shocking, and it was a lot worse in 1972, and uh, even far worse in 1952. Mm-hmm. So it gets easier and easier as time goes by. But good for Josh. And, you know, we do forget that there are a lot of um, guys who love sports and play sports out there who are openly gay. I am not one of them. I am not either, and I do not understand. (laughs) Brian and I are traditional faggots. Traditional. We like musical theater. Yeah, we like cooking.
3: Yeah, we like
0: drag race. You know what I'm finding recently? There are more gay nerds than I ever knew about. Yeah.
3: And and gamers.
0: Gamers, people like JB's giving me a look. Yeah. Like people who are into Marvel. And DC because and you superheroes, are
4: a, like you said, a traditional faggot. Yes, a traditional faggot doesn't think that. Okay, because what you just said is more sh- like straight guy stuff. Yes, we, I always thought it was. Yeah, but we, it's not. No, we. Uh, that, that's where you meet our lovers, or some. Or, some most of these gamers are not turned to only fans. I don't talk about it because some of them are really hot. I'm just like. Oh. Yeah, I
0: recently got added to this weird private Facebook group that I I think I'm probably not supposed to talk about but it's like it's for gay guys who are into like gaming and sci-fi and that kind of stuff but they're also all sex pigs yeah it's this weird overlap and yeah. so half the posts are about like arguing about whether this Star Trek character should be like <laughs> featured more than this Star Trek character, and then it's like, <laughs> here's my dick. And I just ignore the Star Trek posts, and I like, like the dick
4: pics. I am also in one of those groups, but more for anime and Are we stuff. in the
0: same group? <laughs> <or> Probably
4: not. <laughs> <laughs> but there is this, have, there's thousands of them. There <laughs> is this intrigue. I mean, I, I do not like
3: video games. I don't play video games. I'm not into it. But um, there is this thing I've seen on Twitter where it's like someone playing video games and they're getting their dick sucked and Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of like I've seen a lot of like sex and video games and they coming t- together and yeah, a
0: lot. Yeah. I I'm kind of old school. I like to keep my sex I mean, we just talked about the bathhouses. I, I do like the idea of having other activities available, but I don't know that I want to go to a game night that mm. turns into a sex party.
4: Mm. Okay. First of all ah. the, it should your game back should never turn to a sex party. That's Theirs number does. one. Oh my god, they're doing it wrong. They're totally doing it wrong. The only unless time. it's strip poker. Like when I got yeah. added
0: to the group, I was like, "Is it okay that I don't like to play games? I, I don't really, want to play games. I just really want to <laughs> suck dick." <laughs> um, in a related story, a ballet dancer named Saverio Pasucci um, posted something in a private Facebook group called Gypsy Housing, which is now oh, considered yes. offensive. Um, This is a group for um, actors, Mm -hmm. dancers, theater people. It has about 285,000 members. And he posted because he was looking for a room to rent in either Brooklyn or downtown Manhattan. And he included a few photos of himself in the picture. Now, as a ballet dancer, he's in rather good shape. Sure. And the pictures were, shall we say, a little thirsty. And before he knew it, his post had over 600 likes and 400 comments, none of which had anything to do with offering him housing. The 28-year-old dancer insists he never intended to post a thirst trap picture and that he was just trying to introduce himself to the group in hopes of landing a new roommate. I was not uncomfortable with the comments, he says. I was just really overwhelmed. It was like... Like, like, comment, comment, DM, DM. It was just a lot. Life is unpredictable. Piscucci continues. Maybe my future husband will be one of the commenters on this post. I am calling bullshit. Me too. For all of this. I'm also calling fuckery too. Fuckery and bullshit. Yeah,
4: because that's what it is. We know exa- up, cunt. It's like those people are on grinders. Oh, I'm looking for a room to rent. So why are you sending me your dick pic? I'm, that, you know
3: what you're doing. There is so much to unpack here. Okay, first of all, I have I was once a member of Gypsy Housing and it is if you are looking for housing, it does help to include a picture. Doesn't have sure. to be a thirst trap picture, just a picture just so that people, I don't know,
0: so that they know you're not a monster. Sure.
3: But if you are posting if you are posting any kind of thirst trap picture when you are quote unquote looking for housing, what do you expect? The right. internet is, like, full of garbage trolls. And also, you know that Facebook <laughs> group, uh, the Fire Island I one? I was just going to say. Yeah. It's there's like, a
0: Fire Island group where people are supposedly always looking for a room or a share. And it's constantly, like, the most scantily clad photos. And they're, they're clearly wanting someone to go, oh, you can stay in my house for free. Yeah. They're, it's always young guys that have no money, but they have a nice body or they have a big dick or whatever. And they're just like, here's my picture. Does anyone have a room I might be able to rent?
3: I mean, it's a reflection on our culture that, like, in in because I mean, gypsy housing is uh, yes, actors and dancers and creative types, a lot of a lot of queer people, but it's not necessarily like the the, getting housing on Fire Island. Unfortunately, does end up being about what you look like, but it shouldn't be like that when you're just looking for an apartment or a like a room in the
0: city. Um, Our culture is disgusting. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure he's found a place by now. Finally. Here's a story that our friend Steve Cesaro sent me, Ryan. And it starts with a question. Is your penis shrinking as you age? And the answer is... Yes, (laughs) probably. One more thing I have to worry about. Your penis can lose about a centimeter of length from your rock-solid 30s to when you're in your 60s, according to uh, Dr. James Brombott, a Florida-based urologist. The difference is minute, and many men may not even notice it. Penises are made up of three tubes. I didn't know this. Two of them are vascular, and they depend on blood flow to function and become erect. The third is for funneling out urine. As men age, their penises lose collagen and elasticity as a result of more cells aging and dying off. All this affects blood flow throughout the body, including to the penis making erections. Uh, smaller and less pronounced, which is why you should be using Bluetooth. Uh, Thank
3: you, Bluetooth. But
0: in most cases, the reason why guys' penises shrink over time is because they're gaining weight. Mm. The more fat you have on your belly, the less visible your penis is. I remember Oprah talking about this years ago. She had a doctor on who said, for every 30 pounds that a man gains, he loses one inch of dick. So tragic. And that is why I have tried my damnedest to stay skinny, because I cannot afford to lose a centimeter.
3: What if, what if, for your 50th birthday, God said, Adam, I am giving you five more inches on your dick? Oh, my God. One day you're going to wake up on your birthday, and you're just going to go...
0: I mean, I don't really want five more inches. I'd, lo- I'd love to have like maybe two more inches of In length girth. and three more inches of girth. Yes. That would be a nice birthday present. Yeah. I mean, listen, wouldn't it be nice if the one thing that gets better as you get older is your dick got bigger? It <laughs>
3: gets bigger. Just and bigger. one
0: thing. I mean, I got, nose- I got hair coming out of my nose, hair coming out of my ears, no hair coming out of the top of my head. I'm getting fatter, I'm sagging, and now my dick's getting smaller.
4: Life Fuck is so you. Unfair.
0: Life is hard. Life is hard. Your life is hard. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, our guest today is making his ass debut. He is a star of stage, screen, and television, a Broadway veteran who's appeared in some of the most iconic musicals of the last few decades, from Cats to La Cage aux but he is perhaps best known for his acclaimed performance as Sal Romano, the deeply closeted gay commercial artist from AMC's Mad Men. Here's the moment when Sal's wife realizes he's gay towards you the wind is blowing in her hair and she sings about how patio is low in
2: calories and then she extends her hand out and she waves goodbye then we move back too but she stops and she takes her dress in her hands and she runs forward as fast as she can but then she turns her back and looks seductively over her shoulder the treadmill pulls her back again, and she comes towards you one last time, dancing right up to the camera. And she sort of pushes her shoulders together and leans over with the can,
0: and she smiles. Hello, patio. And joining us all the way from sunny New Orleans, please give a warm-ass welcome to Brian Batt. Oh, wow.
3: wow.
0: <laughs> welcome, Brian. Hello,
3: Brian. Hey,
0: how are you? Wonderful. It is great to talk to you. How are things in New Orleans today?
2: They're great. Uh, it's a little misty here today, uh, but um, I'm actually recovering from a knee replacement, so I'm sitting here with an ice machine and um,
0: and Percocet. So there, that. Oh, that's lovely! I hope you took Percocet before the interview.
2: I did. I, it's on. It's not. On, listen, I'm on, I'm on a strict strict time schedule because. You do not want to get behind the pain medication with this kind of surgery.
0: Absolutely, yikes! That's painful. I've got family family members who've been through that.
2: I mean, it's like you know, it's so funny. Like nowadays. My husband was saying, you know, Brian, when people ask you how you're doing, they don't want to hear about all your aches and pains. <laughs> You've gotten to the age where you start talking about, yeah, I have kidney stones, and that was a real thing. Don't bring it up. Just say, I'm fine, because they
0: really don't care. Exactly. You know, they're, just
2: saying, they're just saying that to be nice. <laughs> well, so especially I'm, if, 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 if you're home.
0: Jewish like me, then that's a, a main topic of conversation is all of my physical problems.
2: Right, right. You know, um, it's, it's,
0: I, 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 don't know. I'm, I'm
2: a Methodist. And I'm, I'm, maybe I'm part Jewish because I do it too. It's just literally when I ask, oh, God, the writer. you know.
0: Well, I appreciate anyway, you talking it's... to us having just gone through that. Oh. And I, I wish you continued healing and, and speedy recovery. Well, thank you. I mean, it's been three weeks and I'm walking. I really don't need my cane. And
2: my physical therapist, everybody's like, you're doing great. But I will tell you this it is, it is, it is a, of, of a recovery. It's a bare physical therapy. It is v- excruciating when they try to bend your knee. And because all, and also I tend here I'm going, I'm talking about my goddamn <laughs> me. Um, it's, the scar tissue, I scar very deeply, very quickly and very, it's very thick. And um, even though I started physical therapy like four days after the surgery, they said you are just, it's just genetically how your body reacts.
0: So, I've, he- I've heard that about you. <laughs> Very thick. Brian, yeah, I, I have...
2: My reputation for Steve, man.
0: Yes, I have so many questions for you. I want to actually sure, st- start with Mad Men. Um, sure. S- since we just played a clip. Your performance throughout the series was so brilliant and nuanced. Aww. And I'm wondering what it was like for you as an out-modern gay man, you know, living circa now, um, playing mm-hmm. such a tortured gay character from, from the 60s? How do, how do you prepare for that? Well, first of all, thank you. Um, and, and,
2: and almost 99% of our performances were because of the writing and how and and everyone else, that the whole team that came together. I mean, all we had to do was basically be truthful and say the lines and, they, and everyone made us look great. Um, it was very funny. All, all through the Emmys and all the award shows and everything, the, the writers and, and everyone would thank us and we would thank them because it really was a, a great relationship and we trusted, you know, everything Matt Matt said and did. And when he was, and he knew exactly what he wanted to play that part, honestly, I, I just tapped into kind of what it was like, you know, I was very closeted in high school and very closeted in college and actually right outside of college. I didn't come out for a long time um, although my partner and our husband and I, we've been, we've been together for 30, almost 32 years.
0: Wow. We met
2: you know, very young, um, 25, I think we're 25 when we met. Um, so when, I like to say we met in kindergarten, but it's not true. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, uh, basically, uh, what I did was, in the description of the character, Matt Weiner said he wanted Sal to be, very clearly gay to a modern audience, but to the world of 1960, they, there was no, they, they did not understand right. I mean, he was not clear that he was. Um, and, it, but also I, I, interviewed people, I met people that actually lived that life, you know, and were closeted and finally came out and some of them had families. In fact, you know, the, the, some of the character, my characters, you know, uh, circumstances, some of my episodes were based on real, real life, um, uh, uh, events that happened in some of the uh, advisors' uh, lives. Um, it was very interesting, you know, to see what happened. Uh, but it was, you know, it, when you're supported that well, it, it made it very easy. Uh, I just, I was able to, because with film and television, you have to, you have to be so controlled. You know, every little movement you do, every little gesture, every little movement of any muscle on your face is magnified ten thousand times. So half the time, you just have to really think. <laughs> you know, the the intent and then you know it'll come across.
0: Well that's um, and I that's what I got from my
2: cigarette gesture.
0: That's what I yeah. got from your performance is you could always see Sal's brain ticking away trying to calculate risk mm-hmm. and trying to make yeah. sure that he's saying the right thing and doing the right thing. And I think that's something that any closeted gay boy or man or woman can can relate to. Did true. you hear from the, 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 closeted the guys Around the country, when you were playing that part,
2: not really, because usually closeted people don't want to admit they're in the closet, right? Um, but you know, it, it, that's very uh, perceptive what you just said because I just realized, you know, as when I was closeted, you kind of make this persona, you kind of become, you make this character of yourself as this straight, you know, uh, passing. Uh, person. And that's what Sal did. You know, that's what everyone had to do at that time to survive. Right. You know, if he would have been found out, I mean, his life at that time would have been destroyed. You know, as, as many, many lives were. I remember someone asking me, you know, a young kid on the street, like, why can't you just, why can't you just be who you are in the show? And like, <laughs> do you research, honey? You know, look, there's a history here. There's right. a history. And, and it recently has just gotten better and it needs to grow by leaps and bounds. But it, the difference, you know, from 1960 to, you know, when the show aired, or to say 2010, well, when, when I left, you know, it was, um, it leaps and bounds. A very different it's world.
0: Well, I, I advise anyone who hasn't watched it, I was saying at the beginning of the show that I binge-watched Mad Men years after the fact, um, and, and I just mm-hmm. was completely enthralled with it. I want um, to I, I switch to Broadway, because my co-host Ryan sure. and I are huge Broadway queens and we, we've <laughs> loved you for years, and I I did some research and found that you made your Broadway debut in Starlight Express.
2: That's one of the reasons why I'm... Icing the, the I, That's what like, I was wondering. Being, oh, my God. I,
3: yeah. Making your Broadway debut was, in Starlight Express might be one of the gayest things that's ever happened.
2: <laughs> and the weirdest thing is, I played Rocky, the boxcar, and I had a rap song in the second act. Oh it was goodness. ridiculous. It was... Um, you know, I just I just willed myself not to fall down in the audition, and I wanted to be on Broadway like so bad. And I finally got cast. I was one of the first replacements in the show, and um, it was tough. I mean, I, when I tell you, it was the most arduous rehearsal period. We would carpet skate in the Gershwin Theater up to three different levels.
0: Had you had you uh, roller skated before?
2: I had roller skated to the extent that I was comfortable on skates. I could go backwards. In, I taught myself how to do cartwheels on roller skates. Oh, I, was, wow. I was not, I mean, I was okay. I was proficient in enough, but never enough to like get on that set. That set was, th- was three stories high with, you know, these bowls that were like, you know, like skateboarders do, you know, uh, the insides of, of um, swinging pools. Yes. The back of the stage. That was, we had things like that all over the set. So you had to learn how to do that. Also, you know, grab onto other people's belt and make a train. Basically the show was the little ledger that cut onto acid. Um,
0: <laughs> and not even the fun kind of train.
2: Exactly. Right? Although <laughs> that was, was happening
0: backstage, I'm sure.
2: I'm sure it was, but not in my dressing room. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was, it was, it was thrilling and exciting and, um, but one night during my number, I went, I did a knee slide and my knee torqued the wrong way and my, I shredded the cartilage in my knee <laughs> and literally saw stars and like, limped over to the side of the stage with my just leg dragging behind me. And that, I think, was the beginning of the end of my knee. That's
0: the because, knee you just had replaced?
2: Well, I actually had that one replaced in 2019, and the other one I just had oh replaced uh, three weeks
0: I ago. I hope you're sending you all know, your hospital bills to Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, right after that, show, I did CAP. And then I did... Yes, Ryan know, wanted to ask stamp. you about that.
3: Yes. I, sure. I, I, well, I have to say, I mean, I... I saw Cats when I was six years old and it's part of the reason I think that I am a huge fag today. Um, <laughs> but I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a misunderstood masterpiece and I just have to know what it was like being a part of that experience and do you have any good stories from when you were in
2: Cats? Oh, sure. Playing Monka Strap. Monka Strap. was the narrator the first line of the show. Are you blind when you're born? That so hot. And in, And in the play, he had a lot to do in the first act and then the character kind of Disappeared in the second act. Um, yeah, he was one of the adult cats. I was the biggest pussy on Broadway.
0: Hey, man. Uh, hey.
2: Yeah, you know, well, it was, you know, I auditioned and I'll never forget the audition because I, I, I'm not a real dancer. I mean, I, I, I could move very well. And I'm mainly an actor who can I can sing well, I'll say that, and I can move well, but like to call me a Broadway dancer is an insult to every Broadway dancer out there. I mean, when there are people like, you know, Scott Wise and, 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 and Charlotte Dumboise and all these people, like, you know, those are Broadway dancers. Um, anyway, I went to the call and I'm doing the combination over and over again, and there's some other guys that I've known that are much better dancers. And they kept on saying, "You're the, you're going to get it because you're the one they want." I said, "I'm fucking up the combination every, uh, but I, you know, every time." But and they go, "You'll get it." So finally, I looked out and we're on the Winter Garden stage and I'm dancing because it was my first audition for Cats. I'd never been in for Cats yet, you know. And um, I looked out to. Uh, Johnson Lift casting it was Tower Rubin and Benny Liff and all the guys and I said the audience will never know how long it took me to learn this combination <laughs> and I just kept on dancing and I ended up getting a cast me, and I went to the, on the road and for six months and then they liked me on the road and they brought me to Broadway and I was there for a while and um, it, w- it was fun you know I remember one time I was when I was learning the show. Uh, there was a there's a song in it called "The Battle," the awful battle of the peaks and the Pollicles, mm. where all the cats dress up like dogs and act out this ridiculous poem, you know. And um, everyone hated it, and was, it was so. Um, I don't know why, but it was omitted from the soundtrack from the original Broadway cast recording. Um, so it's not on there. And <laughs> when I, when I was Learning it, you know, the dance kept like, this is awful, but you know, it's part of the show. And I, in the back of my head, I just said, I, "This is like four minutes of Broadway stage time. I'm going to try to make this the best it can possibly be. I'm going to yes. have fun with." It. And I did. I just, you know, I, I can't. You know, this is something I've always wanted to do in my life, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to approach anything with, "Oh my god, this is awful." Right. And it just seemed, it didn't just make sense to me whatsoever. I had a great. That was the best thing about Starlight Express and Cats is like you could eat anything. And do anything, and then you burn it off, I mean right dance the aerobic show activity goes with oh my God, but just the jellical ball at the end of act one. I yeah. remember I had left i mean i left the show actually to do the play Jeffrey, and then I did the film of Jeffrey, and then years later, I, did, I was in um, Sunset Boulevard mm. when, with with Glenn and then Betty, and Betty and I became friends because I went on for Joe Gillis opposite her a lot, and we just bonded, we recently did. Um, Ray Gardens in LA together, and she's just great. But also, we went to go see when when Cats passed a course line for the longest running show, and a lot of the original cast of and, and other people that you know uh, had done the show before. And when they got to the Jellicle Ball, the entire audience started clapping because they knew what the cast was in for because it is the most exhausting thing and it just keeps on going until you practically have to drop. But, you know, there were, there were some crazy things. So I'm trying to think of, you know, one time somebody had um, an epileptic seizure in the audience because there was some stroke. there's a strobe light, there's a warning, of course, and literally the lights go out. You know, all you hear is somebody going,
0: you know, in the <laughs> bathroom, someone, <laughs> oh
2: and literally.
0: Anytime I, I've seen I, cats, I feel like I'm having a seizure.
2: I crawled off stage to the stage manager's booth right there on the deck, and no one was there. So I ran upstairs and, you know, trying to find a stage manager. I said, okay, someone in the audience is something's wrong. Oh okay, something's wrong. This image Letting of like
0: know. a giant cat running around trying to get help <laughs> it's, it's, so, oh, yeah. its so bizarre. I, uh, Brian, sure. I want to transition, if we can, because um, sure. I won't have time sure. for everything here, to the most recent Tales of the City reboot. Oh. Because you're, cool. on, you're only in one scene, but it was to me the greatest scene of that whole series. I've watched it. It over... was an
2: incredible scene, wasn't it? It's
0: so incredible. It's you, Brooke Ashmanascus, Dan Butler, Taylor oh, Mack, exactly. Steven Spinella. It's like all these iconic gay actors um playing oh. friends at a dinner party from hell. And I, I just yeah. I wanna play a short clip for the listeners. Hit it, JB. Yeah. It's about dignity. It's about visibility. Yeah. Okay.
2: I think we owe that to people, especially when you're coming from a place of privilege.
1: So you look at me, and you see what? A rich white man? Is that what you mean? Is that my privilege? Um, yeah. Yes, you are. Guys, guys, I don't think. Let me tell you something about dignity and visibility. How old are you? Twenty-eight. He's twenty-eight. Okay. Any. So-called privilege that we happen to enjoy at this moment was one. Okay? And by that, I mean clawed tooth and nail from a society that didn't give two shits if we lived or died and indeed did not care when all our friends started to die. When I was 28, I wasn't going to fucking dinner parties. I was going to funerals. Three or four a week. All of us were. I understand that. I do. Oh, you yeah. do? Really? Why? Because you saw Angels in America? Fuck that. Brian, what was it
0: like for you playing that scene with those particular actors?
1: Well, that, I mean, it was so, I was so honored
2: because um, I had, I was, I was, you know, I was up for the character of Mouth and I didn't get it, which was, you know, it happens oh. all the time. You would have been oh, a great okay. Mouth. He was brilliant. He's brilliant. Now, and they had to, he had some nude scenes, and no one wants to see me naked. I do. Um, oh, you're very kind. <laughs> um, but anyway, so they called and asked me if I would do it. And when I read it, I was like, you know, oh, this is so great. And Stephen's a genius. Stephen Spinellis is such a great actor. Yes. And to play his husband, it was just so much fun. Um, that scene, it, it was very controversial. A lot of younger people got very offended by what what he had to say, and being an older gay man, I mean, we lived that. I mean, uh, like he said, you know, I didn't. We didn't have the comfort of of, of you know of going to dinner parties and being holding hands. Be, be just being out and getting married and all this exposure and 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 what people have now, which is fantastic. But you must also remember where you came from and those who made sure that you were able to have that and pay homage to them or just say thank you. So I think it was a very, I'm a a big believer in in gratitude because it's just one of the least expressed emotions, you know? And I thank my forefathers so that, you know, even though it was difficult for us at the time, you know, the Stonewall people made made a difference so I could be, you know, as out as I could be when I was out.
0: Well, what was so powerful about it for me was that, so that scene happens and I'm like, yeah, because I'm, Almost fifty, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like, yeah, that's right. That's exactly how I feel. And then it flips, and you have the 28 year old black character, yeah, yelling at Murray Bartlett and saying, "I don't understand what it's like to have a society that doesn't care whether I die. I don't get that. Yeah. I don't. I have yeah. privilege. You know." It completely flips, and you're it's like, very interesting. And no, he describes totally. it as the gay version of Get Out, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, oh no, totally. I totally get where he's coming from. So it to yeah. me, it was such a huge. It was you know, Armistead Mopin is so wrong. great at seeing the humanity in all Ugh. his characters.
2: And multi-leveled. I mean, you know, there's, there's everything, what I love about it, is everything not black and white. Right. There are many different shades of gray and everything in between. So it, there's a rainbow of, between black and white.
0: Brian, in the time remaining, it's time to play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show, Ask Me No Questions.
2: Ask Me No Questions. <laughs> Ask Me No Questions. Yeah.
0: Number one, does okay. it does it piss you off when people spell Brian with an I?
2: Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Except, you know, it depends on who does, do, do, did it. Well, years ago, it's too much to explain now, but it's in my one man play called Dear Mr. Williams. It might get cut, who knows? But Helen Hayes sent me a telegram when I cut to Broadway, and it was spelled B R I A N. Ah, that
0: bitch. That bitch. I know, right? <laughs> you played Ruben in the 1993 Broadway production of Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Did you hook up with any of your brothers? No, I didn't, but we did have, on closing night,
2: There was kind of like a, a group shower, but nothing mm, really got too, uh, too bad, but it was kind of fun, because there were some hot boys in there. Um, yeah, I, w- I was actually offered that that original production, or at, at the same time, I was offered Jeffrey to play, and I took the play of sure. Jeffrey. I ended up doing the movie, too. Good choice. It was the right choice.
0: When you were in Joseph, did you play with, um, with Donny Osmond?
2: No, no. Um, our guy was, God, his name just went out of my head. He was, um, he was on Young and the Restless.
0: That blonde
2: guy. Burnett. It was, God, what's his name? He was, oh, God.
0: That's on the tip of my tongue, Killing. too. Was Lloyd Beachman the narrator? No, no, no. But that was Lori the original. Oh, those was just the revival.
2: Together. Yeah, yeah. She was the original. This was the revival. Lloyd Beachman was a dear, dear friend of mine. And um, we used to have martinis at, at, at Elaine's um, mm. after cats, cat. Well, she came back into cats after she had ovarian cancer. And she would go do, you know, chemo, and then I'd call I said, when are we on? And, she, you know, she said, I'm coming back on, you know, Monday or whatever, like martinis Tuesday night. So we'd, <laughs> we'd go, and she would smoke cool cigarettes and drink martinis, and she's convinced that what kept her alive. I mean, they gave her, like, a year, and she had, like, eight or nine years after that. She was so
1: she brilliant. That was,
2: so it was an amazing
1: brilliant yeah. person had a,
2: a voice that was so powerful Ugh. that I don't think it could ever be recorded properly. It was no. just that, one of those voices you had to hear live.
0: Brian, what's a Broadway role you'd love to play but never have gotten to?
2: Oh, my gosh. I've, the ones, I mean, I've, 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 I've stood by for them and gotten to go on, but I, I always wanted to play um, uh, Harold Hill in the music
0: band. Oh, interesting.
2: I just, think I, just, yeah, I just love it. I just think it's a great, great part.
0: Well, and you have um, an experience rapping on stage, having been in Starlight. Exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to think of something else. You know, I, just, I, you know one of the, I was in rehearsal for a play when all this went down. I was in rehearsal for uh, the um, King's Speech. It's the stage ah. version of the King's Speech. And I was playing Lionel Logue, the speech therapist. And we were about, we just, we're about to go to Hartford to start tryouts. And um you know, the pandemic happened and it was a it's a beautiful play. It's all ready to go, so hopefully when all this is over it'll, I it'll hope so. and hopefully it'll come to run. It was it's beautiful. It is, you know, a story about dignity and doing the right thing and and, 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 and honor and uh, people in power with honor and dignity.
0: Okay, I'm gonna give <laughs> you, know? you I'm gonna give you an F Mary Kill. Have you ever played this game?
2: Oh God, I played it with January January Jones. On New Year's Eve.
0: As one does. Many years ago. All right, so this is a a Broadway Brian edition, and you have to fuck one, marry one, and kill one. Brian Darcy James, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Brian Cranston. Oh,
2: God. Well,
0: a dear friend
2: of mine is married to Brian Darcy James, and he's a wonderful guy. So I'd marry him. Okay. Fuck Brian um, uh, 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 Stokes. Yes. And as much as I love I love Brian Cranston, I just he's too brilliant. He has to be the answer.
0: That is the correct answer. That is correct, correct. <laughs> when you were shooting Mad Men, did you ever get to see the Hamaconda up close?
2: <laughs> no. I mean, I I never really looked. You know, we Oh, come like, on. You know, I swear to God it wasn't that. I I don't know if this was like something someone started or I don't know how it started because no one, you know, it wasn't until I I think it was the year I was, was written off that, you know, this became a thing. And literally, like, someone, someone, woman was in our shop, Hazelnut on Magazine Street over Christmas and started asking about us. I thought, I don't know. Um, You know, he would never, the pants weren't that tight, so who knew? And we're always sitting, so, you know.
0: Let me tell you something. Never, I have seen I enough pictures. Never I've seen enough pictures of him in sweatpants to know that it is real and it is fantastic. Well, yeah. And speaking yeah, well,
2: you know, I'm sure it is.
0: And speaking but of which, I've how never, big is Brian's bat?
2: <laughs> it's big enough.
0: There you go. No complaint. Brian no Bat, complaint. you are delightful. Uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this stupid show. How can everyone follow you on the Interwebs?
2: I'm, uh, I really don't do uh, Twitter anymore, but I'm on Facebook, and, um, and I'm on Instagram, Brian underscore bat, B-R-Y-A-N underscore bat. There's some other fake ones that I'm trying to get rid of, but the real one is Brian, B-R-Y-A-N underscore bat, you know, at Brian, you know, Brian underscore bat on Instagram.
0: So. We will be following and you and following anything that you appear in because you're brilliant, and so thank you so much. Oh, you're
2: so kind. Once again. Thank and you. And
0: you have a good one. Speedy recovery, honey.
2: Thank you, thank you. Y'all take care. Thanks, Brian, Brian Bat,
0: ladies and gentlemen, Ryan and JB, please plug yourselves
3: at Ryan Frosting on Instagram, at Stocking Anarchy
4: or on Instagram. Send your dick pics. Thanks.
0: Thank you both. Tune in next week to hear a brand new episode, which will be my birthday show. Yay, Remember birthday. to call in with your birthday greetings. You can call in live, or you can leave a voicemail anytime between now and then at eight zero four talk ass. That's eight zero four. Five two, excuse me, eight zero four eight two five five two seven seven. 825 5277 Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to get all of your ass merchandise at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram, at adamsank. I occasionally post nude butt shots. <laughs> Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye.